0: Again, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we are so very glad that you are here, that you have trusted us to not only care for your children, but even to come with us on a Sunday morning and, uh, and hear what we are about. And I think, and at least I hope, that you have experienced today that as we come together, we are not people who have it all together and think we've got life figured out. Rather, we are people who are broken and humbled and are in need of what our Father gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we come here to sing, to confess our sins, to be assured of the salvation that we have, and to be encouraged through his word. And uh, if you haven't checked us out, we got a great band, Stefan is up there leading us on guitar violin. One time I saw him play the piano with just one hand. Lauren and Marlo are singing with us. You got Dave on the piano, Bill on the drums, Josh on the guitar, the bass player, everybody's great. Um, That's a That Thing You Do reference. Remember how in that movie he never gets his name told? Yes, you know what? We're going to do great today because if you're getting that joke, we're going to do just fine. But we are in the middle of a sermon series. Uh, Actually, that's not true. We are on week two of a sermon series. But of six weeks, I think we can agree that's middle. Now, the keystone habit today that we are looking at, as there are six of them, is going to be community. Communities are people, they are not abstractions, right? They are not rhetoric, they are human beings. A community is a group of people who share something in common. And many people define a community either by the the shared attributes of the people in it or by the strength of the connections that they share among them. Whether that's a strong connection or just weak connections, both, they say, are equally important when it comes to community. And in our text today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this upper room, right? He's teaching them about community. This is hours before Jesus is about to go to the cross and, and, and die. And what he's doing here is he's kind of summing up everything and making sure what is important is shared and given to these guys and these ladies at the last meal that they'll have together. When I look at this text today, I think it is very simple because of the metaphor that is used, but it's also very transcendent. It's simple in the way that Jesus presents it. It's simple because it's a metaphor. It's, it's repetitive. He's going to say it a bunch of times. It's familiar, especially to the people of that time. But it's transcendent because it changes the way we approach community with God and also community with one another. It shows us that we belong to something that is beyond what we can just see, And it surpasses the ordinary and shows us the very relationship we have with the one who has created all things. It presents to us the relationship that we seek and desire above everything that we want, whether we recognize it or not. Now, we're going to go into John chapter 15. So if you brought your Bibles out, now is the time to pull them out. We'll mark them up. We're going to go through the first eight verses of John 15 today. If you forgot your Bible, no worries. The words will appear magically on the screen behind me and we'll be able to follow along. But like I said, let's dive in to this text. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. By the way, who read that? Thank you. I can't see because of the lights, but well done. Good job. Anyway, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Let's break this down. Now, the vineyard or the vine was a very familiar symbol for Jews. God repeatedly used the vine or the vineyard as a symbol of his people, Israel, in the Old Testament. We see that in the Psalms or in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Ezekiel. However, a lot of times this example of the vineyard or this metaphor symbol, right, is kind of in a negative sense. In Jeremiah, God says, I planted you as a noble vine, a seed of the highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Not only is God using it as the symbol for who they are, but there were grapevines everywhere in ancient Israel, including the very large golden vine set as a prominent decoration on the front of the temple. And interestingly enough, look at that. We've got one It's not golden, but it's green. And it's there donning this Walker Hall auditorium that we're sitting in today. In the Old Testament, the vine is that picture, right? They're the people of Israel. But God has always been, as it says there, the vine dresser, right? The one who is tending to the garden, cultivating it and managing it. Now, if you know anything about the disciples, they were very slow to understand these things. But they got this metaphor. They knew vine, Israel, vine dresser, God. So here at the Last Supper, Jesus is offering a different understanding. He's showing them the fuller one, this radical new one, this transcendent understanding of community. Jesus says he is the true vine. He says we must be rooted in him, not in Israel, if we will bear fruit for God. In other words, our community begins in Christ Jesus, our purpose, our unity, our very breath. Our first identification is in Christ Jesus himself. That is our being, who we are. And when it comes to community, community with God is not found in the city or nation of Israel. It's not inherited from your family. It's not based on your race or your economic status. Your community with God does not depend even on your church here if you attend. It comes from the vine. Community begins with Jesus. There is no peace, no reconciliation, no community with God apart from Jesus Christ. The strongest connection to God that you have is with Jesus. And your relationships with others and the things that you do always come second. And this is what makes what Jesus teaches here so radical, so important. Because what everyone thought was the assurance of things hoped for, right, in regard to status and salvation, was that if you belonged to a certain people and belonged to a certain tribe and you were a certain person within it, then you had it made. Think about the community that we have. Where's my man who knew that, well, that was Captain Marvel? Okay, bro, you've seen all the movies? Okay, you read all the comics? I've read all the comics. You uh, got any of the t-shirts? Nice, I got two. You, uh, you got any posters on your wall? Mine, me neither. My wife won't let me. It's kind of whatever. I'm, I'm going to eventually, maybe like the bathroom or something. But dude, community, right? You might say like, I'm part of this community because I live there. I work there. The people in the community look like me, have the same skin color as me, speak the same language as me, eat the same foods as me, wear the same clothes as me, cheer for the same team, read the same Captain Marvel comics, or really any comics. If we're gonna be serious, we gotta break it down. Who's ready with me? You know what, I get in trouble every time I do this, but daredevil number one, I gotta keep going. That's community. And if you picked up and it was like, I, 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 me, 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 Beatles fan, you were thinking, I, me, mine. But what if I told you, what if community wasn't about you here? What if community wasn't about you and what you did, but about Christ Jesus and what he did? Of the several metaphors that we find in Scripture in regards to relationship between God and his people, the vine and the branch emphasizes complete dependence, a need for constant connection. More than the sheep need the shepherd, more than a child even needs their father, the branch depends on the vine. And Jesus starts with this important truth. I don't know what you're doing to find community, but I can promise you it'll never be right and perfect and true until the first community you seek is one that is right with God through Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus, who's about to depart from his disciples, right, to go and die for them and for us, to do for them what they could never do for themselves, he gives them and us this important encouragement that he would remain united to them and they to him, even in death. Just as branches are connected to the main vine. And if you know what happens next in the story, three chapters later, every single one of these disciples is going to run away, and even a few of them are going to deny him. Friends, that's the opposite of being united. And I tell you that because do you think that the main thing in being part of this community is dependent on what you do? Where you sit, how often you attend, how much you give, how much you serve, that is what makes you a member of this community? Why would you ever want to define your community with God based on what you do and what you can control? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're looking at verse 2 right there. It starts with, he cuts off. And you're saying, bro, did you even read the text? If I don't do the things of Jesus, I'm cut off. I'm done with the community. So yeah, I'm thinking what I do matters. What I do is what's going to keep me part of this community. There's an alternative understanding of this passage that I think bears some consideration when it comes to community with God. See, in the ancient Greek, that phrase in English there that we see cut off comes from the Greek verb arrow, which is translated usually takes away, but more accurately translated lift it up. Mrs. Todd, will you show us what it should say? He lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The idea here is that the Father lifts up unproductive vines off of the ground, as was very common in the ancient practices of vineyard care. I looked that up. Those caring for ancient grapes made sure to lift up the ones, the branches down at the bottom off the ground so that they would get more sun, so that they would bear fruit better. Why do I like that translation or really that understanding more? Because it solidifies that this connection to Christ Jesus that we have is based on what he does for us and not about anything else. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know that my place here, my purpose in all of this is not based on me, but it's based on Christ Jesus. Because when it comes to what I do or don't do, I want to transcend past myself. I want my salvation, my fellowship, my community to be based on Christ Jesus. And that is what he promises. This is what John talked about in chapter 1 when he said we have grace on top of grace already given. This means that if you are struggling, struggling with sin, struggling with addiction, feeling loss and pain and failure suffering from depression and anxiety and looking around and saying, I don't see any fruit. I must be clean cut off. Friends, he lifts you up and holds you. says, I know that you're hurting. I will lift you up and I will bring you closer to me. Promises that he will bring the healing you need. And that is what I need. I need to be lifted up. And on the days when we're in a good rhythm, strong in prayer, strong in love, we don't become our own vine and say, I got this now. No way. Always connected and in God's love prunes us, which sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. It simply means that the vine dresser cleans us up so that the fruit-bearing soul bears even more. Grace on top of grace already given. This is a community that is based on being rooted in Christ. Not a community that is rooted in being good enough for Christ. But simply receiving what he has done. I mean, the branch just appears, doesn't it? It starts, begins, and finds life in the vine in Jesus. Three said, you're clean because of the word I've spoken. Made clean by the word. Jesus repeated the idea that he just did. 13, he washed their feet and said they were clean. Let's take it one step further. How many of you in fourth grade did I baptize last year, right? Christ may not have washed your feet to clean you, but he cleaned you with the washing of sin in your baptism. Continues to speak his words of truth to you in a daily cleansing way. Or as Luther put it, we daily die to sin and rise with Him. Because the Word of God is the cleansing agent. It's the what condemns sin, inspires us to be holy, promotes the growth, reveals hope and victory. Where else are you going to find truth to guide you and keep you from sin? From man-made laws that are changed or amended? From a personal code of ethics? The Word stands as it has from the beginning. The words of the law were condemned and shown our sin, our need for a savior. But with the promise of the gospel we are lifted up, healed, grace, mercy, strength given. That is the community in Jesus Christ. The community that has been washed at the baptismal font to rid sin, to receive forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. It's why we confess our sins at the beginning of the service. Because we are washed in His Word and we get up ready to fight. Verse 4 says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch bears fruit by itself, remains in the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. This is the repetitive part, right? If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, if our status is clear, connected to the vine on account of grace in Jesus Christ, then let's get to work. For what purpose? so that we can stay in the community, keep our place here? No way! It says bear fruit. Fruit's not labor. Fruit, especially the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit that you bear is the result of being in the vine, of being rooted into the Word. Living that comes from roots in the Word produces fruit by God's own activity in our lives. Once again, ownership and pressure not on you because in Romans 8, he promised to go before you, prepare the works for you to do. These are the things that we share. The promise that it's not about us, but about Christ working through us and that he does things for us all so that we can participate as the body of Christ. It's the way of life, a result of being in the vine not the requirements to be in the vine. The result is this fruit. And when he says remain, throw that verse up again, Miss Todd, he's emphasizing a mutual relationship. It isn't just the disciple remains in the master or the master only in the disciple. He's in us. We're united to him. This is what Paul meant when he said, it's no longer I living, but Christ who lives through me. Or maybe you prefer Song of Songs because you're... Poetic and whatnot. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Vine and branches, continued connection and relationship. Remain is a choice. Remaining is something that we must choose. And now is where you're going like, aha, bro, I knew you were gonna trick me. I knew there was something I had to do. Yeah, you gotta do something, but not in regard to your salvation. And not in regard to making yourself more holy or earning and keeping God's love. He says, remain in me, because he's talking about your will, your choices, the decisions you make. Decide to respond to his spirit in us. Want to do it. And we're talking about these keystone habits, right? Because we want to expose ourselves, to keep ourselves in contact with them, as well as helping those around us. You're a branch. It says it right there. You're going to bear fruit. You don't get to debate that. So let's do it. Now, this isn't saying that you can't do anything. You could go and be active. We could be active without Jesus. We could do it. There's many people today that are active and don't have Jesus. But if you want to do something of real eternal value, you can't do that without Jesus. You want to inherit the whole world? Go, make a name for yourself. You can do it. You want to white-knuckle life, grit it, and go? You can do it. You can. You want to check out and never have to deal with life again or anything? You can do it. But if you want to do the things not of this world, if you want to bring not only change to people's physical needs, but also their spiritual needs, you've got to remain in the vine. We help a lot of people in this church. We give food, supplies, we help. But if we don't make disciples and baptize them, what are we doing this for? I've only been a pastor for a few years, but I've buried enough of the saints and sat with enough people as they took their last breaths, or at least pretty close to it, and met with the families to know that speaking the words of Jesus and trusting in Him at the end not questioning what it was or wishing for something else at the end of their life. They want the words of Christ Jesus that says, you belong to Him. And they do. And in my own life, I was personally blessed to have people sit me down and show me when I was lost, they could have said and told me to go do a million things. They had every right to quit on me. But by the grace of God, they took me to the vine and said, you need to remain here. And by the grace of God, friends, that's what we need to spend the rest of, of our lives doing, for the sake of our children and for the sake of our neighbor. Fruit has seeds in it, seeds that we share and spread so that they can be connected. Community needs you to share the fruit. Children need you to show them who Jesus is. Christ says, when you remain, you fulfill your part in this community. But you have to remain in Him. Apart from Him, you're doing nothing. And look what happens when you don't remain here in the next thing. Whoa, my screen just went blank. That was crazy. Has that ever happened to you guys? Happened to me once in the middle of the sermon. Right now. <laughs> just two seconds here. Look what it says. If you don't, you're like a branch thrown away and withered. Picked up, thrown in the fire, Burned. Now is the law, right? Not before, but here. This is a progression, friends. Notice it's not about bearing fruit. It's about not remaining. If you don't remain, you wither, you're gathered and thrown into the fire. Or my Arnold friends would say, you've just been erased, which is a deep track for which movie? Come on, you guys got that thing you do. You can get this. You've just been erased. It is eraser. Extra star for you, sir. Look at this, withered, gathered, thrown. Now this isn't a theological system, but the progression here, man, this is a warning. Look at Psalm 1, it's the same type of thing. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. Stand in the way that sinners take or sit. Walk, stand, sit. You ever walk by something bad not happening shouldn't have done it? Just took a glance, not a big deal. But suddenly then you're standing there being like, okay, yeah, this is fine, I'm good at it. I'm good with it. Then you're sitting in it, stuck in it, no getting out of it. That is a progression, the same as withering away. But look at the opposite, man. Look at this. Let's keep going. Blessed the one who delights in the word of the God, meditates on it day and night. I, gotta remember, I memorize it. Go to the next. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its what? Fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. Chaff blows away. Wicked won't stand, nor sinners in the assembly of the Righteous. But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. It's a progression. Withering away is not how it's meant to be. Where are my plant killers? I got any plant killers out there? Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Amen, right? I always thought it was just like, you're cut off, you're dunzos. But when I learned something about becoming a professional plant killer, it was that without any water or sun, I slowly take their life away. It's like giving a dog an M&M each day. It's an inappropriate joke, I'm sorry, but it's one for my brother. Should have written it down because then I would have known not to say it. Now, withering away kills, right? From thriving, alive, to brown, droop, soil dry, plant, gone. You don't remain in the vine, same thing, friends. Vibrant, alive faith becomes less and less. Less worship, less word, less service, less thinking from a Christ mindset, withered away. John 15 says that's not how it's supposed to be. And if you feel withered, don't worry, brothers and sisters. The vine dresser is slow to anger, abounding in love, constantly working to lift you up. So you want to know how to remain. Jesus connected the principle of remaining two ways. He said, my words must remain in you. That's faithfulness to his words. That's reading them and living them. And that's with an ampersand. You guys know about the ampersand? It's the fancy and sign. Shift 7, ampersand. Yeah, you know, bro. You've got an iPad. You're out there living your life. (laughs) Ampersand, when you're watching the Oscars this year, means that the writers wrote the movie together. They never worked on it separately. If it says and, one guy took it, another lady started working on it over here, then somebody over here. Ampersand means together completely. Same for the word. We read it and we live it. And the second principle, is the verse up there? Yeah, 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 if you don't remain in me, ask. Ask whatever you wish. It's prayer, friends. This is basic, I know. I want you to be in the word and live the word and I want you to pray. That's it. Now I realize it says that all your prayers will be answered. Ask whatever you wish, it'll be given. But this isn't a genie wish. This is a heart that is aligned with God. Test this, friends. See how great it does for your spiritual life. Put your prayers in a journal for a month, for a year. See what's answered and what wasn't, and look back and wonder why. Because I've spent a few restless nights wondering why God didn't give me what I was asking for, and it turns out I needed something else instead. That's prayer. That's remaining no matter what. Word and prayer, time and experiences in word and prayer. And as the band comes back up to jam with us right now, I'll close with this. We're spending this week leaking at the keystone habit of being in community. And through the challenge, you're going to examine the influences of the things, the people around you. How you have been created by God, like we read in Genesis, to be part of a community. But all of that, all of doing all of that means nothing if you disconnect from the vine. We know that Jesus, the vine, loved his disciples, taught them, protected them, guided them, sacrificed for them, used his power and authority to do these things, remained with them always, and does the same for us. Loves us, protects us, guides us, serves us. The vine shapes us so that we, as the branches, through word and prayer and obedience, do the same for each other. Word and prayer. Word and prayer and stay in the vine. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and sing. What are we singing? So Will I? So will I. I like, like it. That? Let's sing that one.